Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Only Podcast. I am your co-host Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host John Kirby. You can follow us on Twitter at acsmith06 and at john underscore kirby. And as always, follow uh, the mothership at the Only Colors. John, this is March. So, it's time. <laughs> you know the uh, Christmas Carol when they they sing it's the most wonderful time of the year and it's on like commercials yes. i just scream lies lies because <laughs> december is not it is this week no easily the best time of the Ugh. year after after a long break long break long winter yes winter is gone the thaw is gone the long the long Daylight wait is saving over time is yeah here. oh yeah it's uh, it's it's a good time to be a college basketball fan, or really just a person with a pulse in general. Um, it's March Madness, and we kicked off last night with everyone's favorite show. Yeah, which they managed to screw up. It's unbelievable to me <laughs> that um, there are certain things in life that you think, all right, there's almost no, no, there is no way mm-hmm. that this could go wrong, or that somebody could could mess this up they're two years in a row now what the bracket leaked last year right <laughs> i if the bracket would have leaked this year it would have saved me some some brain cells yep. i think because this was just just terrible like just just a really bad show and it's so crazy to me that they were able to screw it up like really releasing all the teams in alphabetical order just killed any type of drama and really tested my literary ability <laughs> which i hate which is bad <laughs> Just Not good me. for me. Don't make me think. No, think it. Come on, this is basketball. These are sports. Um, I don't need to be thinking. Um, but yeah, so it was a weird show. Uh, Ernie Ernie Johnson ate pizza with the crowd. That was weird. What if they were? It was a tactic, a diversion tactic of sorts, so that we would all get mad online about that well, instead of being mad online about like. St. Mary's getting screwed. Or yeah, like the other things so, that we were determined to be mad online right. about. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was more of just putting off the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Just adding another layer of mad online. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get into it. So, yeah, the show was weird. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the business that needed to be tended to was tended to. The field of 68 was released. Um, and so, John, I guess the, the first overarching question is how do you think they did how do you think the committee did? Um, I, it's a hard job, you know, and especially when when we know it's a different group of people, um, and the goalposts, you know, theoretically move every year. It's a new thing that we're focused on, a new metric. So, like to say, like year to year, it, it, there are many that stay the same, but like it's almost like you have no idea what you're trying, what is important. Right. You know, so, yeah. so it's also hard to get mad because like, is it? They're, well, of course, it's very easy to do. <laughs> I I will be mad regardless. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like it's it's difficult because they can just justify a new thing every time. Well, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't like you, they're going to do what they're going to do, and, and, and that's fine. And to be clear, you know, if this was expanded to 80 
four teams, we'd be mad online about Right. It's whatever. like the college football playoffs. You like, think about it, it's like whatever. everyone's going to be mad about the fourth team. Yeah. Like, oh, it's expanded to eight. Then everybody's going to be mad about the eighth team. Yeah. yeah. It, it's what's inevitably going to happen. There is literally no perfect bracket. There's no way to get it right. Yeah. Um, however, overall... Um, but what Syracuse did you think? should not have gotten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will die on this hill. Um, I thought they did an okay job. I mean, it you know just some teams seated higher than I was expecting. Some teams definitely seated lower. Um, I think one in terms of a a common thread was that uh, they really rewarded. Now this is for good. There are two mm-hmm. sides to this argument. Like in terms of whether you like it or you don't. There's some good and some bad. Okay. Um, they rewarded early season wins for some of those bubble. It seemed like that was a big deciding point for the bubble teams like uh, Oklahoma and Arizona state getting in two teams that a lot of people thought Oklahoma was out despite the hot early season, mm-hmm. um, Arizona state. I mean, I didn't even see them on the bubble in a lot of lists. So uh, Syracuse again, kind of came out of nowhere, but it seemed like, especially with ASU and Oklahoma, they rewarded those big early season wins. Both those teams were in the top. I mean, Arizona State was number three in the country. They were ranked ahead of Michigan State one week, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, but it, it was it was interesting uh, that that they really they did that, that they held on to those early season wins. Now, you and I were talking about this before we started the show. I was saying that I think there's, there's more negative than positive, but... Tell me why you don't have a problem with this. I mean, like, I, I guess for me, I, I appreciate the fact that every game is as valuable as he, as the other. Um, you know, some will say that, you know, it's how you end the year. Then you're devaluing the November wins, which I understand teams aren't who they are now. But then we'd be arguing about December wins if we started the season then. So, like, at what back to, like, no one will ever be happy. Right. I do appreciate that they say every game is equal. We don't care when it took place. Yeah. I think no one will ever be happy should be the NCAA. <laughs> That's the true. NCAA, you're not going to like it. Like that, <laughs> I think that should just be it. Are you ready to get mad online? Yeah. You mad, bro? Are you mad yet? You will be. Um, so my counterpoint to that is that I think, it, again, you get into the – this is so, like, kind of like a classic – analytics versus eye test type of thing. And I think that analytics in this particular situation and in, in, in picking the field have more weight than they do in a lot of other sports conversations. Like I really genuinely believe it matters like quite a bit. And I mean, you got to pick 64, 68 teams. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't just do that on your own. You need to be following. There is more than enough data available that you can make compelling arguments and, and get it mostly right. However, um, my problem with rewarding the early season wins and going, falling back on that as a reason why a team like Oklahoma that went 2-8 and eight down the stretch ends up making the tournament is that the teams that they beat, and again, I would have to go back and actually remember who they are, but um, those wins, I mean, those teams that they played are not the teams that they are now. So, And I realize it's probably reflected in the numbers, but... Um, I don't know. Teams can start off super hot in a year and then completely flame out. Basically do it as extreme as Oklahoma did. And uh, apparently it just doesn't really matter that much sometimes. So um, I, momentum to me, and maybe not momentum, maybe momentum is the wrong word, but the state of a team and sort of the things that go on around a team. And th- like there's a level of human mm-hmm. humanity that has to, has to come into it. To don't, be, don't get me wrong. I'm not standing for Oklahoma. I no. do not think they should be in. <clears throat> But based on the statistical profile, right? And, and um, I think we've talked about it on the podcast. There, it's fine to sort in my head. It's fine to sort by science, and then apply art. Right. And I don't right. mean, right. and right. I don't necessarily mean eye test, but I do mean like let's be logical about Logics. this. You know, like is that quadrant one win over the number seventy-five team equal to the quadrant one win over the number one team? Right. No. Yeah. They are very different than maybe, each other. Maybe we need eights yeah, instead maybe, of quadrants. Well, maybe let's just like take a harder look. Yeah, maybe lumping the top seventy-five teams together is a little too large of a of a area. Well, you know, like we talked about, there is a lot of questioning, and everyone's going to be questioning. But the best part about it is, we can also 
just look at the teams that did get in and say, mm-hmm. hey, maybe next year, uh, guys right. who didn't make it, here's yeah. who's here. Yeah. And we're going to talk, you know, we're going to deal with them because, I mean. Those are the games that are happening. They're happening. And, like, go watch the NIT. Yeah. So what, well, I mean, Nebraska ball is in the NIT. As, like, a five I seat. think that's hilarious. That's kind of, like, an underratedly hysterical point to me. Everyone in the Big Ten is like, oh, I mean, hey, maybe they're on the bubble. Like, you know, uh, um, Tim Miles is like, I think we're in. And they won 20 games. They're their best year in a long time and got the five seed. Don't even get an NIT home game. Don't even get a home game. That's That's just, that sucks. I mean, that just shows how little respect the Big Ten had this year. It's kind of crazy. I don't think I I really, (laughs) that to me says more than a lot of the other things that happened in the actual tournament. Yeah. I mean, they, they were disrespected <laughs> hashtag bad <laughs> that's true um so the teams that did get in like you said uh i'm gonna let you answer this one first but as always there's some teams that we think got overseeded or got in maybe shouldn't have but what teams based on getting in based on matchup whatever it might be who do you think got screwed Ooh. um the guys that got in i would say that i was surprised i was surprised a little bit um I guess I knew going to our team, Michigan State. I, I knew in my heart of hearts they were a three, but still was like, "Come on!" When they were up right. there, I don't know. Um, they, it's just the MSU. I don't they know. They got a tough draw. I think no. I mean, it's I'm that was the homer in me. I think where I was like, really. Um, but as far as like really being underseeded, gosh, uh, I was surprised Arizona was a four, even though they under performed this year well again that's part of the early season stuff like they they had that bad stretch early in the season yeah and then they're playing as good as anybody down the stretch it seemed like yeah one ran their way through the conference tournament won the regular season i mean i think i think one team that was maybe no one will care about that was drastically underseeded was penn but i mean now we're getting into should they have been a Save your save your pen story. We've got a good pen story coming. Well, out. yeah. I mean, should they have been a fifteen or yeah, absolutely? But we'll get to it. Okay. So how about you? In terms of teams that I think really got screwed. Now, I don't necessarily think this is because of the seeds they got, but just mm. because of the way the bracket laid out. I think Virginia, Arizona, and Kentucky, specifically Arizona and Kentucky, got just the raw end of the deal. Yeah. Um. In case you're, yeah, if you look at the bracket, those are the one, four, and five seeds in the South. Um, and the reason I say they, they just got screwed, and I only mean that because th- th- those are three really good teams. I mean, when you talk about hot teams, those are three of the teams that are playing the, some of the best basketball in the entire country. Yep. I mean, you could have made a strong case for any of them. You could have made easily made a case for Arizona getting a three. Could have made a case for Kentucky with the way that they ended the season getting a four. Uh, Virginia obviously is the number one overall seed and they end up with those two teams. Uh, you know, they're going to have to play one of those two teams yeah. coming down the stretch. And if I'm them, I don't really know which one I want. I mean, Kentucky's, I, and maybe this is just cause I watched a lot of Kentucky basketball this weekend for whatever. I don't know why I was watching SEC basketball, but, um, well, yes, I do. I was in Lexington, Kentucky. That's why I was watching oh, okay. it. But, uh, they, they, I'm telling you, man, if, if Kentucky, if Kevin Knox and Wenyan Gabriel and Hamadou Diallo are hitting threes, they are going to be very difficult to stop. And then on the other side, you got DeAndre Ayton, you got Alonzo Trio, Raleigh Alkins. Like that is a loaded team. What a fun matchup! Which, oh man, which I know you're so high on both of them right now, but like, I mean, who says we every year? You know, at twelve and thirteen. Yeah. You're you're right. So like, while I would love to watch that game, I'll be happy with whatever outcome. Yeah. Like, well, because if either of them lose, yeah. it'd be an awesome upset. Exactly. But I also want Virginia to be challenged. Well, they are certainly going to get challenged. You know, on the other end of their yeah, I think where they kind of got screwed here with either Kentucky or Arizona. On the other side of it, your two and your three are Tennessee and Cincinnati, and I think as twos and threes go, kind of throughout this bracket. Uh, I mean, Duke and Michigan State, UNC and Michigan. You, I guess you could say well, Purdue and Texas Tech. I still, I think Purdue and Texas Tech is a tougher two-three out of those two-three combinations throughout the entire bracket. So while you'd probably got the toughest four or five, 
you got it pretty damn easy. Not damn easy, but like that's what I'm saying. A, a light that's two and three. Well, that's what I mean. You have probably the lightest two and three in the bracket. So that's, yeah, but to even get to one of them, you have to beat the toughest four and five. Not if they don't make it. Well, that's the beauty of the <laughs> tournament. So I, I think they got screwed. And then of teams that didn't get in, I, well, I guess I have two more things here. Um, Notre Dame got the rough. Notre Dame and St. Mary's both got a rough end of the draw. I think this is where you apply that art to the, to the science, and I think they just sort of missed it with Notre Dame, who was acknowledged as the last team out. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, a different team with Bonzi Colson playing, and maybe we're just biased because we watched them. Although yeah. we did run over them, but um, you know, got to twenty wins despite losing an All American for at least a third of the season, probably more than a third. Yeah, in an ACC that you know the committee was enamored with, got nine teams in. Yeah, I was, was kind of surprised by that. One. I was especially looking at the teams that they chose ahead of them. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's rough. Um, I, I do. I've never felt bad for Notre Dame before, but here we are. Right. <laughs> Weird times. <laughs> Um, so I have a question for you. Uh, Cinderella story. Who do you have your one ride and die Cinderella that you are are going to see into the next weekend? Yep. So I, I have two, but for this one, I, I'm going to go with uh, Loyola Chicago. It might be a little biased because of where we live. Found, hey, you're allowed to be. But the Ramblers... Uh, hashtag blurs making the tournament for the first time since the eighties, if I remember correctly. Um, 33 years, 33 years, uh, just, you know, coming off of a, an incredible season. They, they won their conference, obviously won the conference tournament. Um, they've got a pretty interesting team. Like I, they, they actually have, I mean, they've got five players that average double digits, uh, scoring, a couple guys that average, you know, six plus rebounds a game. I mean, they go legitimately eight or nine guys deep. Uh, it's a, it's a fun team. They've got two, they have three, five guys that shoot at least 39% from deep. That is a recipe for success. I'm just saying, and and against a Miami team that I think might've gotten a little overseeded, uh, at a six. Absolutely. And then a Tennessee team that I think might've gotten a little overseeded at a three. And then a Cincinnati team that I was never personally all that enamored with. You know, Loyola, I know Loyola fans here. Uh, I mean, I literally live across the street from the downtown campus. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's gear all over the place. People are fired up. Good. Um, I'm with this, them. Not only does it shape up to be like, hey, a fun story where they made made it, you know, to the dance, but they're, it's, they're a winnable, boys, it's a winnable, man. at least a winnable one game. And, you know, you never know where you go after you get that confidence of winning one game. So, um Shouts out to the Blurs. What about you? Do you have who's your Cinderella? Well, before I talk about mine, um, they have the advantage of of playing in uh, in, in Dallas, nowhere near uh, Miami, Florida. And then um, also when when you my recipe for success for a a, a mid major or a, a high seated team, if you can if you can stroke that through ball. Mm-hmm. It changes the game, man. Absolutely. And, and uh, when you get hot and you got five guys that can stroke it, well. Well, and Miami doesn't have their best player in uh, Bruce Brown, who's been out for quite a while. I, they're just like, they're kind of the same team as last year in Miami. They're just sort of that well-rounded, like no one's going to really blow you away, especially with Brown out. But um, it's uh, yeah. smelling pretty good. I'm just, I, that's that's the one I'm, I'm liking. So um, in addition... They play at two, the first game of the session, and we'll talk about why that's important in a little bit. So my uh, my guys that are I'm riding and dying with College of Charleston. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you're probably annoyed because I <laughs> I, I, I chirp I chirp about them a little bit, and the reason why I like them so much is they are so experienced. Um, they they return a lot from a team that was quietly on the bubble last year. And uh, they they just they showed me a lot of resilience. They came back from I think double digits in their uh, championship game uh, to get here. And for some reason, I just kind of had them pegged in my mind as as kind of guys that uh, I just didn't want any part of. I just hate hate the the experienced team that doesn't get mm-hmm. shook. Hmm. You know. Well. <laughs> and so we'll spoiler. Talk about- <laughs> and to be to be clear. 
you're playing an Auburn team that isn't necessarily used to success. Okay, yeah. this is not a, a four seed of you know yesteryear where it's like we've been here before, you know, whatever. Like, old hat, yeah. This is not old hat for Auburn, and when it's new to everybody, uh, mm-hmm. it can get a little interesting. So uh, it's my my team. I like that. I'm riding with. Okay, so we've talked about our Cinderellas, who we actually think mm-hmm. could do something. But the more fun way to approach a Cinderella is like, like the no way. Like so, it might be fun, but like no, like no way that's going to actually happen. But wh- what is your like? We're, we're called. I guess we call it like a deep cut. Like okay. who do you think legitimately could? Who's my no way? Who's your no way? Like your no way? I'm gonna like. All right, let's rephrase this. This isn't saying it's going to happen, but maybe it is. But maybe. No, where no one would no one would say yeah, but you. No one would put this in their bracket. How about your, if you put it in your bracket, you're probably going to win your bracket. If like, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Like, if it hit, you'd, yeah. you'd brag about it forever. Mine is, <laughs> our Penn Quakers are drastically underseeded. I believe they are the highest rated Ken Palm team to be a 16 seed in six years. They are playing a Kansas team who is a fairly low-rated Ken Palm team per once as one seeds go. Not the lowest, but as they go. I have a feeling, in my heart of hearts, that this is a Penn team that can play pretty well and within themselves. And what I'm telling you is that they are the first game of their session. First early tip and Thursday. And we're not, why that is important because if things are still interesting in the second half, the teams that are rolling in for the second session, and the, those are the teams that would play the first session winner, they start to root for the underdog. And you got a Seton Hall and uh, North Carolina State Wolfpack team who are going to be strolling in, and I believe Penn will still be right there in it after halftime. And my no way is that they will still be a ball game at the under 12 the second half. And Wolfpack and Pirate fans will be hype. I would love to see this happen. To to be the beneficiary of the first sixteen to beat a one would be incredible. I'm my they are my most likely to still be in, in the game. The other thing that happens at that point, because if you if you can get to the under twelve mm-hmm. and have it be a game, and in the NCAA tournament that means five points, mm-hmm. maybe even a little more than that. If you can keep it realistically within shooting distance, like striking distance. Mm-hmm. That pressure, well, you saw on, it. You saw it happen to Michigan State a couple years ago. I mean, that pressure is real, and it's not. Yeah, that that it's all pressure is off. You well, made the it, sixteen on the sixteen. You the made pressure it on that the one. Though. All of a sudden, you start thinking. Well, if you, if you're Kansas and you're playing in Wichita and it's all Kansas fans there and they start holding their breath mm-hmm. and you start thinking those thoughts, oh boy, that's not a fun place to be. Um, so my no way, I got fairly extreme with. Let's do it. <laughs> Jump, tell me. So we were saying all year that basically there are two teams, down the stretch I guess, two teams we really don't want to end up playing in the tournament. One is, and the main reason behind it is they cause a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. And that's something Michigan State does not, doesn't respond great to. <laughs> don't like it. Um, Allergic. Yeah. The first, West Virginia. Avoided that. The second, though, mm-hmm. is the... Uh, SF Austin. Love it. Lumberjacks. The 14 seed. Jacks up. In the East Regional. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are taking on Texas Tech in the first round. Uh, I, I, I think what I would say is that I think of all of the brackets, the East is, is the easiest draw in terms of sheer talent. I, would, I think that this is the one where a seed, a low seed, could make a weird run and get, get weird. Now... They have Texas Tech in the first round. Then they have um, most likely Florida in the second round. Mm-hmm. A very beatable team. Underachieving. Yeah, an under not not a inspired Florida team. Um, both winnable games for them. Mm-hmm. Then they would have to face you know here's where they need help. Yeah. But so you, what's your uh, wait? What's your he, no, let me tell no you way? why. Let me tell you why. What's your no way? My no way. Oh. Well, let me tell you why I okay. My no way is that I think this team could reach the elite eight. Wow, fourteen seed. No, that's my no way. way. And the reason, honestly, my sole reason is because they led the nation in turnovers 
forced by a lot. Let's go. It is, if you have listened to me or read anything I've ever written on Twitter over the last couple months, you know that I have an affinity for teams that press the ball. West Virginia, Illinois, and now SF Austin. There you think Steve Austin 316. Well, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Stephen F., uh, this is where Brad Underwood came from. This is where he <laughs> learned his ways. This is. I'm not impressed with Texas. I'm not a Texas Tech fan. I can't believe they're a three seed. Yeah. Florida, not inspired. Now, if they played Purdue in the Sweet 16, they're going to have a hard time because Isaac Haas is and Carson the can size handle of the, Yes. And and Carson can handle it. Right. But it's Purdue. It is you're Purdue. Not, you're not going to sell me on Purdue making the guaranteed to make the Sweet 16. The Purdue lawn chairs? Yeah. They'll, yeah the lawn chairs. <laughs> i got to sell shirts with that on it. Um, it the joke but I'm is just they fold easily. Right. Do we not make that joke on the podcast? I don't think so. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> we John and I have had a joke for a while that I said – uh, he's like, what do you expect out of Purdue after, before the Michigan State Purdue games this year? I said, I think they'll just fold like lawn chairs because they're mentally weak. <laughs> uh, and it turns out I was right. I don't trust uh, them as far as I can throw Isaac yeah, Haas, which isn't so, which isn't far. I'm pretty I, sure you, if you ran into him at full speed, you would stop him like a he would stop you like a brick wall. You wouldn't know what happened. But here's all I'm saying: Sam uh, Stephen F. Austin, I think they got a shot. I think they got a shot to make a weird it. little run. And then in my dream of dreams, they play West Virginia in the Elite Eight. Scorching earth. And we just get... We all die. Right. There's... And then Michigan State has to play the winner in the Final Four. Nope. And we, the world ends. We'll just take the L. Well, the meteor hits first, so... Yeah. The game... <laughs> that game terrifies me. Yeah, I'm not into it. I so, we're not going to go there yet. We're, luckily, we stay away from both of those teams. That's which, by the way, way, that was the biggest... Exhale I had on Sunday was seeing because I, I thought oh, yeah. you were talking about how, like, yeah, maybe we might end up as a four seed. When I saw Villanova as the one, West Virginia as the four, I thought for sure mm-hmm. Michigan State was going to slide oh, yeah. in there as the four and would just get completely screwed. Oh, that yeah, I was convinced that was that the world hates us and this is half. Yes, well, but uh, we didn't get them on that positive note. Um, that did not happen, and Michigan State, uh, Instead, ended up as the three seed in the Midwest bracket, uh, containing those Kansas Jayhawks that John was just talking about as the one seed, um, Duke as the two seed, because of course, of course that was going to happen. That had to happen. That was so inevitable. Do you know why? Because we got Detroit. Right. And we're like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, but also, while I have you. (laughs) You're going to probably have to play Duke. I'm like, oh. Not, you know as, what not as dope. Gotta face your fears. Right. Well, you gotta. I mean, we've been saying it all year. Embrace expectations. You gotta beat the best to be the best. And the best out of the Patriot League. Mm. The Bucknell nice. Bison. The Bucknell Bison. So former home of Mike Muscala. Tell me more. Uh-huh. He was really. He was good there. Oh, okay. Man, Bucknell. Uh, you may remember them from such hits as beat Kansas in the 2004 <laughs> tournament. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, hell they, of a year. And were in the tournament last year. So this is a tested team. I'm going to go through a little program profile for you. This is a program that is um, is is not new to winning. They won the last four Patriot League uh, regular season conference championships. Um, they won this year's regular season championship by four whole games. Mm. And last year, if you remember, uh, they won the Patriot League tournament qualified as a 14 seed and took West Virginia to the wire losing by six. I think it was like 86 to 80. So uh, they are not going to be scared. They return almost everybody. In fact, all of uh, their three top players um, played minutes in that game. Uh, They are number 100 in Ken Palm with uh, common opponents to Michigan State as North Carolina, which they lost and Chapel Hill by 12 and lost at Maryland by two. They've won 18 of their last 19 games, and their best win on the season was a home win against uh, the Vermont Catamounts, who mm. got upset in the American East this year, um, but who is normally a... You know, normally good. Normally a pretty good team, and are this year. They just took that short end of the stick. So, um, some players to watch. You got three. They have a trio. They're big three. In fact, all three were first team all Patriots. Pretty good. Out of five. That's 60%. <laughs> Made up a majority. I even know that. They, they get to uh, 
they get to vote on things. If, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're led by uh, senior Zach Thomas, who is the Patriot League Player of the Year, six seven two twenty eight, um, and averaged twenty nine and was a thirty seven percent three point shooter. Seven, Not bad. Seventeen games with twenty plus points, four games with thirty plus points, and he dropped twenty one against North Carolina. He's a gamer. He's good. This guy's a guy. Good at basketball. And, should be noted, played well against a North Carolina team. Yeah. That they hung with. Uh, Another guy to keep an eye on is senior Nana Fowland. Love it. Already love it. I just hope his last name is actually pronounced Foulon. I like that better. I think that's better. It's beautiful. (laughs) He was first team All-Patriot League and um, All-Defensive Team Patriot League. Average, he's 6'9", 230, he's a big fella. He averaged 15'7", and had five 20-plus games this year, um, including 21 against North Carolina. And then your sneaky guy, this is this is the guy that I am weirdly mostly most worried about, is the third of the trio. Um, senior uh, Stephen Brown, 5'11", 165, so like the first guy Cassius has ever been bigger than. He's... <laughs> Averages 15 points a game, but he's had nine 20-plus games, and he had 23 against Maryland. This is the type of guy that you could lose sight of as we put all of um, focus on the senior Zach Thomas, the player of the year, who Miles will likely guard. And then you're going to have uh, our Nana, 6'9". He's their center. That's going to be a Nick Ward-Jaron joint. Yeah. And then you're going to rely on the Cassius Winston who has played Ole defense of late mm-hmm. to lock up this guy that they're just going to say, hey, we need you to get buckets. Yeah. So you might see some time. It's, well, that's not, this would be a good time for you, Tom. Your last, your last, uh, last tournament. Um, it, you know, it is scary to see a trio like that. Um, especially, you know, yeah, when you talk about things that end up mattering in March, experience, uh, versatility, um, like a diverse team, a team that has weapons at three levels, those are three things that can jump up and get you. I mean, this team has all that. Thomas, Foulon, Fowlin, and Brown, you know, you're talking about a guard, a swing forward, and a true low post player. That's good balance. And these guys have played together a lot. Like you said, they've played good teams. They scheduled. They had a tough non-conference schedule, actually. I was looking at this earlier. They started 0-4. They started out 0-4, but that's because they played – well, Monmouth, not a great loss, but they lost at Arkansas, at North Carolina, and at Maryland. And they scheduled. And they did that for good reason. And I something mean, to consider. And VCU, they played later as well. Winning is something that is hard to learn. Mm-hmm. And this, this, these three, they've won the regular season conference championship every year. Yeah. No, they're used to winning. And, you know, since, I mean, you go back all the way to January 5th, they've lost one game. Mm-hmm. And it was in February, in overtime, mm-hmm. on the road. And um, for context, the Patriot League, um, not the strongest. Not very good. But um, still, it, it's one. But it's it's notable to have dominated, winning it by four games. Yeah. You, again, you you look at this personnel wise. Um, you know, Michigan State personnel wise has had advantages on every, every single team they've played this year, mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe Duke. Um, and even then, you could probably make some cases. So when you look at this team, you say, what can Michigan State do to set themselves apart? Well, I think the biggest thing that jumps out at me is just sheer talent level. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the Patriot League is the Patriot League. They haven't seen a Miles Bridges. Nope. They have definitely not seen a Jaron Jackson. Correct. And um, frankly, when you when you talk about a guy like Fallon, the, the center to me, that plays right into Michigan State's hands. Absolutely, because to have to to rely on a low post, high efficiency type player like that, uh, that just spells just spells absolute disaster against a team that has big after big after big and leads the nation in blocks. Right. So, and it's not like this guy's not a high flyer. He's a he's an inside ten you know inside ten feet, true back to the basket big. Um, I think that the way you attack this team. Uh, is is probably the way that Michigan State's always like to truly play throughout Izzo's entire tenure. I think you throw this ball early and often to Nick Ward. You try to get Fallon out of there. Try to rack up those fouls, just keep going to the glass. Because 
They don't have. They don't have. I mean, if you look at their their actual roster in and of itself, um, it's it's not a ton of size. I mean, they do have some other some other players that are six four. They've got a, a six eight, um, a couple six eight forwards. So while it's capable size, you, you know, when you talk about the contributors, it's just not not a ton. Yeah, one one thing to the, to keep in mind, just keeping on some team statistics for them, um, they they get up and up and down a little bit, averaging eighty. Let's see, one points a game, eighty one point one. That's thirty fifth nationally. For context, Michigan State averages eighty one. That's fortieth nationally. So it's right there with them against better competition. Um, they they are very good at um, protecting the rim, averaging four point four blocks per game. That's forty first nationally. Michigan State is first in the nation at 7.4 blocks per game. Um, as far as field goal percentage, uh, for averaging 47.2, that's very good, 49th nationally. Michigan State is sixth nationally at 50.1. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying what the, what I am saying is they're very what they are very good at. Michigan State happens to be better at. Um, but all the things I talked about, how good their players are. Look, everyone's good at yeah. this point. Yeah. We are in. The best teams in the country. Every game should be hard. Um, this game is no exception, and don't expect it to be um, a, a blowout in the first half or even the second half because everyone is good. But that also doesn't mean you have to be afraid of every team. Uh, Michigan State is allowed to embrace expectations and is allowed. You're allowed to watch them and say, "Yeah, they are solid," but so are we. Right. They are also looking across the court and looking at our team and saying, sorry, they have how many NBA players now? Right. <laughs> That's a big difference. It's not to say that they won't be um, that will be intimidating. It Perhaps it maybe won't. But we, we're going to take advantage of the talent that's on our roster. Yeah, this is a game, I mean, it's not surprising to say it as a 3-14 matchup. Um, I think Bucknell is a team that could beat some threes. I think of this course. is a team that could spring upsets on... on you know, maybe a team that doesn't have such a glut of bigs and maybe doesn't have a guy like Miles Bridges or even Kenny Goins to go check Zach Thomas, mm-hmm. you know. But um, this is – I Bucknell really got a tough draw they because, did. like you said, this is, it's not surprising to say, but, like, Michigan State should win this game. There's just no question that they, Michigan State should win this game. This is a team – Bucknell, the Bucknell Bison are a team that – do, they do not turn you over. That is not their game plan, just like Michigan State's game plan. They, that's not in the cards. It's to out-rebound and to rely on your front, their front court to carry the load, mm-hmm. to, to do and it all. Doesn't, and that it does work, not play well against work, the Michigan State. And that though. works for, against, for a, against a lot of teams. Right. You know, Many, many teams. When, when you have the front court to do it, absolutely. Um, Michigan State has a really good front court. One so of, one of the best in the entire country, which is why we were so afraid of playing the West Virginia, the mm-hmm. Stephen F. Austins, who rely on their backcourt to carry right. the load. There's a difference. Um, that said, can Bucknell win? Absolutely, because in this tournament, as I talked about, I believe Penn can beat Kansas. Yeah, so anything can. <laughs> truly, as you know, everything can happen. That said, um, I think Bucknell got a tough draw. Yeah. So what if there's one thing that you, as a Michigan State fan, wanted to see? come out of this game besides a win mm-hmm. um what would what would it be like some indicator of future success some one player that needs to get on track something you'd really like to see i would this is so nitpicky i want to see more assists there has been a drop off in the last this is a team that leads the country in assists and it's been dropped from almost 21 a game down to 19.3 over the last five because we, it has just been non-existent. You've seen a lot of, well, yeah. It's it's it just hasn't. It's two games against Wisconsin are in there too. Absolutely, but that doesn't mean that you can't generate. No, I agree. And and I would love to see Cassius Winston win in and Tom win in, assert themselves in the offense and not even offense, just in transition and get people open by going to the basket. This team is at its best when they are attacking. Mm-hmm. And not, and not when they're spread out and wondering who's going to do what. I would love to see that because slashing into things um, and kicking out to create sec- create better opportunities will probably um, be rewarded in the next couple of games, depending on who they play, when some zone potential Potentially. defense is coming up. 
mm-hmm. if they get past Bucknell. How about you? Anything you're looking at? Uh, I would personally like to see uh, Tum Tum and Josh Lankford, that starting backcourt, find their stroke. Tum Tum? No, not Tum. Oh, my God. What am I talking about? Cassius. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. 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 Um, I'd like to see Cassius and Josh find that shooting stroke. Uh, Cassius went from, you know, literally like the best shooter in the country, which I think still is, still is, but, um, went one for 10 in the big 10 to two games in the big 10 tournament. Regre- not good. As my buddy Cam says, regression. Yeah. Regression. <laughs> not great. This is a bad time for it. And we all know about Josh Langford's struggles. I think this is a game in which, um, both of them have advantages and, and, you know, you're, you're playing a 14 seed. And frankly, you should be able to, you should be able to beat this team. So I would like to see them both uh, sort of apply themselves and 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 start knocking down some shots because that you've seen it when those two, when yeah. Josh Langford's knocking down shots, this is a complete, this is a borderline Absolutely. unbeatable team. Absolutely, especially as we talked about in the last week's pod, if he can get to play with the second unit, when, right? We're much more com- when he should be much more comfortable taking those shots because. God knows it's not coming from anyone else on that right. unit. Um, people people want you to shoot. That Nothing, unit yeah. wants you to shoot. Right. You know, the first unit, I think the, I could find four better options for right. education, but that's not because of Josh being bad, but just how good I think they can be. But anyway, one thing we didn't touch on, the team um, took had some fun in Chicago yeah. last week. Came in and saw Hamilton. And the Bulls game. And the Bulls game, which featured uh, Zell and Deonta. They yeah, played that's right. The Grizz. And uh, I think they put, I think that's who they played. But I mean, to watch two um, dudes that a lot of these guys played with, yeah. maybe, you know, a couple, a handful of guys Several played with of both of them, mm-hmm. and being like, they made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And, yeah, I thought the strategy was interesting. And Hamilton, um, by the way, uh, playing in Chicago. Uh, character who plays george washington is a spartan dog yes he is so i saw a couple of professional spartan dogs yeah it, it was uh i think it was cool by izzo to you know it's funny because everybody as as fans were so frustrated coming off that michigan game mm-hmm. i think it was a good idea on his part to to do the opposite of what we all would have done mm-hmm. we all would have said dive deeper into that playbook you've got two weeks to grind mm-hmm. he instead rewarded his players for a big 10 championship mm-hmm. gave him a little mental break um, and I'm sure he just kicked their asses when they came back. But uh, I think it was good for, for them. Hopefully they get a little refresher, get a little mental break. And, um, yeah, not a bad uh, weekend. Hamilton in a Bulls game. That sounds Deece. amazing. So um, now that uh, we have talked about the teams that we – the team that we know Michigan State is going to play, I think we want to look ahead and speculate a little bit. Um, should they beat Bucknell? Bucknell? We have – Three teams. Yes, three, because the uh, one of them is the Horned Frogs of Texas Christian University, mm-hmm. and the other two, there are two others. Uh, this is the first time MSU's ever been a part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the winner of the, the first four game between Arizona State and Syracuse will play TCU, and then the winner of that would face the winner of Michigan State and Bucknell. Which, by the way, um, sorry MSU managers, that, that sucks. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> an extra night of film. Cool. Another team to scout right. instead of two? <laughs> or instead of three, we have so four teams. So what's kind of cool as an MSU fan is that you get to actually care about this Absolutely. first four. So now you got something to watch on Wednesday. So, so maybe we should start rank with them. them. Maybe we should rank them. And then we can well, talk, talk about Okay. And then we can talk about the Why? team. Why? Sure. All right, let's do this. So rank them. If you're new to the podcast, we rank things. Yeah. In this section. Lists. We love them. <laughs> So, uh, my question to you, uh, if MSU does beat Bucknell Austin, who do you want to play the most? Uh, Texas Christian, Arizona State, or Syracuse? So, I got to go in order. Okay, one, two, three. Uh, least would just be TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, for obvious, re- obvious reasons of seeding. I mean, TCU flirted in the top 15 for a lot of this season. Mm-hmm. Jamie Dixon, uh, Jamie for- Dixon. formerly a Pitt head coach, some good old Pitt teams. Hell of a coach. Um, you know, that's, that's a good team there. They, uh, it's, it's a good team. Frankly, Absolutely. it's just a good team. And then you talk about the other two, uh, I'd put Arizona state second 
Okay. Um, now the reason the reason being, they just like to go go go. Mm-hmm. Like that is a that is a Bobby Hurley run it go type team. Trey Holder is a really good player. Um, and you know the teams that play with pace, yes, that sort of plays into MSU's hands. You can kind of say that about a lot of things, but plays into their hands a little bit. But that those are the types of games though. Like again, it reminds me of Middle Tennessee State, like a team that's going and likes to go and is making shots and is confident making shots. All it takes is one cold stretch for Michigan State and a couple turnovers, and that one gets out of hand pretty quick. And they're not they're not shy about you know playing good teams. That's this is one of the teams that got in because of the early season success they mm-hmm. had. They've won big games. They're comfortable. Um, they have a pretty deep bench of guards, if I understand correctly. So it's a good team. Uh, finally, I'd say the team I would like to play the most if it had to be of those three, would be Syracuse. First of all, I just believe that of the three, they're probably the, the the weakest of the three. And I am not shy about admitting I'd like an easier path if I can get one to, to, to the promised land. It's about breaks. Um, it's not all about being the best. <laughs> yeah, so, so Syracuse really has uh, just really three players. Um, and But the main, the main reason I would like to play them the most is because um, they play that, that patented Bayheim zone. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, it's scary to think about playing Arizona State or Syracuse, frankly, because um, because they'd be winning two games. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. confident team. You, you've seen those teams get a little hot and make runs before. So sure um, it wouldn't be that shocking. Plus, you know, they played in a deep ACC, so they've played can, top-notch competition all year. Mm-hmm. But the reason I'd want to play them the most uh, is because they, they play that zone. And if you sneak a little peek down the bracket, and you may recall a game in Chicago from sometime in November of 2017. Um, there's a little team called Duke mm. that also likes to flash quite a bit of zone. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State did not handle it well in the Champions Classic game. It, it ended up uh, costing them that game. Um, and I do not hate the thought of playing against a zone potentially the week mm-hmm. before their rematch. Uh, it's just something I would like to see. Sure, it gives... Duke a little bit more, um, you know, film, especially because you think they would handle personnel wise, Michigan state would handle a zone much more differently now with the, basically the advent of Jaron Jackson jr. Uh, being who he is. He barely played in that game and Ben Carter got yep. a lot of burn. Got to think things would be different there. Um, had that For switch sure. and had Marvin Bagley played. It would have been, it's, it's a whole different game. For sure. But um, I would like to get a chance against that zone. Okay. How about you? I'm going to go with, um, team who I most want to play, Arizona State. Okay. They've lost six of seven. And They're if, not very good. And if they, and while they did beat two one seeds this year, mm-hmm. which is why they are made the tournament, that is it. If they were to play a Michigan State team, they would be playing their go, go, go game, third game in six days. I yeah, like, good point. I like that. Doesn't mean we can't lose. Of right. course, can lose to anyone in this tournament. But if I'm going to play Arizona State, I want to play them three out of play them third, third game out of six. Mm-hmm. Whereas a Q's team, who's all about pace, the opposite, or is going to settle into their zone. Back to you're talking about cold shooting. Yeah. Oh boy. Yep. And this is granted one of the best shooting teams in the country. But hey, that's why the zone you live and die by, right? Right. So, um, and that with that, do not want to play TCU. Uh, TCU to me is Michigan State light. Yeah, Th- think think Jamie Dixon in his pit days when they had some really solid teams. Maybe even made the Final Four one year. I can't remember. Maybe a elite, couple Elite Eights. I yeah. know that. Um, they were relevant for quite a while. All about what, and what was Jamie Dixon known for? The same thing he's he's building at TCU: defense, rebounding, out gritting you. Tom Izzo probably loves. TCU, <laughs> right? So we're going to be looking at a maybe not as great, not as high-end talented. Well, just a Michigan team that State likes team. to do the things that you do. Of course. So that said, um, I can tell you a little bit about TCU. Well, please. Statistically, the most likely team that would uh, Michigan State would play if they beat Bucknell. Uh so we talked about Jamie Dixon. He's led a Horn Frogs team that has been totally revived. TCU was the doormat of the Big I mean, 12. I wouldn't even know if it's revived. Like, they were never alive. It's fair. 
I mean, he has brought this team to relevance. Um, they have no bad losses. Their worst being a neutral floor loss to a, a rough Vanderbilt team. Yeah, not um, a great Vanderbilt team. And, but still considered a quad two loss, if you want to talk quads. Um, Ex- yeah. <laughs> Example 5,000 why this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they have uh, a senior who is going to bother you, and I'm going to butcher his name. Vladimir Brodzianski. Vladimir Brodzianski. That is actually how he says it. <laughs> and he is, he is a mountain. Uh, 6'11", 230. Probably uh, they gave him a lighter weight than he is. He's averages 15, 5, and, one and a, 1.6 blocks a game. And shoots 34% from deep. So Not afraid to pull. Yeah. Um, Not great. Don't love it, but I mean, it's respectable. Enough where you have to look at it. You have to think about it. Exactly. Um, they also have uh, their other two key players, uh, senior, uh, again, another senior, great, Kenrich <laughs> Williams, uh, 6'7", 230, large fella, mm-hmm. uh, averaged 13, 9, and four assists a game. Then you got sophomore Desmond Bain, who might be, um, for me, an X factor. He, aver- he shoots 47% from three, averages quite a few a game. I mean, that is right up there with Cassius. Um, not, yeah, it's pretty Actually, good. not even near to him but in <laughs> in the if you're looking at the standard deviations he's right far almost an outlier uh for the entire country so it's got a, they got a shooter um the things that they're best at uh 83 points a game that's 19th nationally um 49 uh field goal that's eighth nationally uh, 40 percent three-point shooting 17th nationally um as we talked about, those are three things that we already yeah. mentioned. Talking about Bucknell, Michigan State just happens to be better than. They're just efficient. Like when I look at them, and I, I'll be honest, I didn't really watch them play a whole lot this year, but it's it's efficient. Because when you look at, it's not like these guys that were shooting. So they've they've got Jalen Fisher is out. He's been out for quite a while, which is too bad for them because he's a pretty darn good player. Five assists a game, twelve points a game. Shoots forty four percent from three. They've got one, two, let's see, three guys that shoot over forty percent, basically over forty one percent from deep. None of them take an outrageous have taken an outrageous amount of threes. I mean, you're talking about you know one hundred and thirty on the year. That's two, you know, maybe three and a half a game. So not, I mean, that's a lot, but not a ton. And that's the guy for them that took the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seems to me that they're sort of. It's a tough. In, in a lot of ways, they're missing. Like if if this team just had a guy, yep, one they're a guy. If with, they had one guy, yep. this would be a damn good team. They're they're a rag, it's a great supporting cast. They're a tough team, like we said. Have uh, the rebounding margin is six point three. That's nineteenth nationally. For context, Michigan State is ten point four, which is first nationally, and uh, they're second in the nation in assists per game behind Michigan State. So, like, the things that they are very good at, they're just a, not quite as good it's as Michigan State. It's the JV State. version of Michigan State. And uh, they just – and they played in a hell of a conference, the Big 12. They do. But they went 9-9. Nine and nine. Not that that's a bad thing, but what their problem was is they don't really have a signature win. Their best wins are uh, neutral win versus Nevada and a home win against West Virginia. Other than that, they just played a lot of teams tough, which is great, but it also tells me maybe they don't really know how to win against a really good it team. It tells me that they're missing they're missing a leader. They're a missing guy. an identity, a guy. And and not a lot of teams have guys. That's true. Well that's what that the, when you see the teams with the ones, twos, and threes in front of their names, mm-hmm. typically those are the ones that have the guy. Well unless you're Oklahoma. And uh yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, it's a really strong team. I think um... it's a good team. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's a good team. It's not a team that I think when you look at six seeds, at least the way I think about it in my mm-hmm. head, that's a nice seed. That's a good seed for a team like this. Like it, it, they sort of fit that six, seven pretty well. But again, so let's 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 zoom out a little bit and talk about this weekend as a whole. Michigan State's path to the Sweet Sixteen. What, I mean, what do you make of it? Predictions, I, I mean, thoughts. I, my first thought, and for what it's worth, I saw Michigan State playing in Detroit, how many thousand miles from Fort Worth, Texas, mm-hmm. and said, great. 
you get you i mean that's a home game yeah and what the, what the computer models are not going to tell you or be able to calculate is uh they're going to say that every game's a neutral game now and give you the percentage of winning based on that tell you what it ain't a neutral game this is not it is a home game, game. Yep. okay so that changes everything uh two i uh, saw that seed if we're in detroit looked at bucknell Nice senior team. I already said in the pod, I love that type of team. Mm. The thing that these seniors do best, Michigan State does better. TCU, a little Diet Coke version of Michigan State. <laughs> hey, hell of a strong, scrappy, Jamie Dixon-led team, who I believe will turn TCU into a program to be reckoned with. Mm. So you forward. can find a couple guys. cornerstone guys. It ain't this That's year. Not for me. I think they're going to give Michigan State a hell of a game because they're scrappy. And, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. They are going to Michigan State, Michigan State, old yeah. school, and it's going to be a great game. But that Detroit changes everything. Makes a big difference. It's a big sigh of relief there, the Detroit. And then you look around, and you say, "Oh, hey Duke, hey Kansas." My first thought was, "Can Michigan State beat both of those teams?" Absolutely. Can they? What statistically? Can they beat them two times in three days? Doesn't look good to win two toss-ups in two out of three days. Tough to do. Do they need a little help? Probably, just like everyone does. Mm -hmm. I think Michigan State has a great path to the Final Four if they only have to face one of the Kansas or Duke. And my hot take, the roadies. The Rhode Island roadies. The Rams? Sorry. I don't think that's hot. They, it's a good team. They're a good team that, f- for some reason, lost their swag at the end of the year. Um, took Davidson, Davidson upset them in the A-10 final, a conference that Rhode Island had a firm grasp on even in late February. I'm telling you right now, they have two really nice kids on the backcourt, and one will play in the NBA. I, I just don't – I wouldn't put it past – We've seen Duke slip up. Oh, yeah, many times. We've seen everyone slip up. It happens. Um, the only thing that Duke has going for them is they'll see that baby blue on Rhode Island's jersey and <laughs> get triggered play. and well, come ready to Grace play. Grayson Allen might stick his leg or his butt where it doesn't belong. So if Penn or Rhode Island could do us a favor, I feel really <laughs> good about it. But, hey, that's a long way off. we got right. one well, weekend so, to worry about. Right. How We're, about you, though? What did you see? When I'm talking... I'm thinking this weekend, strictly in this bubble of this weekend, you're you're you gotta win your quad before you move on to the mm-hmm. next weekend. No doubt. In terms of draws, Michigan State could not have asked for much better. In terms of the the first weekend, mm-hmm. um, like you said, strictly in terms of style of play, two similar teams, mm-hmm. and they're similar teams. You, you've got Diet Coke, Michigan State, and Coke Zero, Michigan State. If you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, MSU as a three seed, I mean, if I was a team and I saw them sitting there at a three, I would just curse the quadrant system mm-hmm. because in any other year, I really think in, yeah, any, right. o- in any other year, totally. this team is at a minimum, a minimum of two. Uh, and I think they would have gotten some looks at, at the one seed, mm-hmm. one line. They had four losses. Kansas had seven. Yep. Xavier had how many? Yep. I mean, right. it's, 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 I think. By being a three, you, you put the other teams, obviously, at a huge disadvantage. They're at home. Um, now, I don't know that they necessarily got the easiest draw bracket-wise because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, yeah, totally. But I think, I mean, I think this team, listen, at the end of the day, you got to go win games. you got to beat the teams to, to get to where you need to go. But they should win. They, they should make the Sweet 16. They and should. They, should, they should probably get if, you know, and that's when we start talking Final Four, and hopefully, you know, we have a really upbeat podcast next week talking about these games. But, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, listen, Duke and Kansas again. Uh, I'd rather play those two teams than than Villanova. Mm-hmm. I'd rather play those two teams than. Uh, that's probably it, uh, because I think you know, you talk about them, Virginia. And those are pretty damn good teams. Um, but I listen again, like you said, beating those two teams in in three days—that's tough business. Mm-hmm. But you know they've got to do the same things. What scares me about those two teams, especially Kansas, 
it's skipping Duke, but I will come back, um, is Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham is is what kills Michigan State. He's a problem. A a hyper-athletic, experienced, killer point. Just a a game. He's not afraid of the big shot. No. Now, can Kansas even pretend to hang with Michigan State on the glass? If Azubuki's out? If he's out. No. No. So, there's huge advantages that go both ways. I think against Duke, MSU has an advantage in A, their depth, B, the fact that Jaron Jackson is going to actually play in this one. Now you can say the same thing for Marvin Bagley on the other side, which is a big deal. But uh, I think motivation. I, I mean, I really think that the, this Michigan State team, if they can get to the Sweet 16, and if it's a matchup with Duke, I mean, talk about motivation. I mean, it's one of three programs to beat you this year. Did it on a national stage. Did it in a one-versus-two game. Like, this is the game you have been, maybe not in this round, this is the game you've if you're honest with yourself, you've been hoping all year to get. Okay. You saw they fell flat against Michigan in the rematch. Mm-hmm. But this is it. Mm-hmm. I mean, every game from here on out could be Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges last. Now, if that doesn't light a fire under, under you and get you to play your best basketball, I don't know what to tell you. I Listen, it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. It's a tough, it's always it's gonna a be tough, tough bracket. But A, like you said, it's always going to be tough no matter what. B, we haven't even seen the games played yet. We always we think it's going to be Duke and Kansas, of course. You know anything they could they could both lose. And you have no idea. Michigan State could lose, but no doubt. Did, Michigan State's getting picked by a lot of people for good reason. As a mm-hmm. talented, deep, versatile, very you know. I mean, you have a Hall of Fame coach. You're out of the Big Ten finally. I, I mean, I like their chances no matter where they're going to be, but I, I will definitely take them in this bracket. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one thing I want to be very clear about. I could find a reason that Michigan State could lose to any of the other 67 teams in this tournament. Absolutely. Because it can happen. But you know what you can also do? You can embrace expectations. I've been saying that all year. You're allowed embrace to. It. You're allowed to. Because if you want me to, I can give you an entire analysis of why they would lose to LIU Brooklyn. Right. I can do it. <laughs> I don't want to. I think I won't. <laughs> but, but, but you're also allowed to say, man, at the beginning of this year, we said this was the best chance that Michigan State had to win a national title since we could remember. Right? Yeah. And I has that still cha- believe has in that, it. And that has not changed. So you have to also put the shoe on the other foot and say to yourself, right now in, in at Bucknell University, they are not pumped. They're getting ready to play Michigan State. That, that's a name, okay? <laughs> that's a team it's, that's been ranked in the top five all year. It goes two ways. People, Jamie Dixon can say, to himself and his staff, we're not there yet. Yeah. We're going to give him a hell of a game, but we know. It's allowed for for us to realize that we, while we are the Mark team, this this Mark team won 29-33. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not bad at all. And they, they and in my head, the 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 expectation hasn't changed. Nope. There are no injuries. Nothing. Which Same not great team. Yeah, and of course, and that changes everything, but... Miss me. Miss yeah. me with, with the, the sky is falling. Lost to a two, a three, and a five. And if it does happen, it does. But you know what? That is that is why this tournament is amazing. Right. So, um, I guess, I uh, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about Bucknell a lot. A lot. And um, knock a few bucks. Yeah, we're going to send you guys out on with some music this week. Just like we brought you in with some music. One, Cue the crime mob. One, one shout out before crime mob. Sorry. Adam Ballinger. Yes. Created the greatest t-shirt for the, the most diehard Spartan dog I know, Carly Bergio. Yes. He did the caricatures, if you remember, from uh, Midnight Madness. Created one of Izzo and D'Antonio uh, with MSU behind them. Yeah. The best. That said, let's send him out. All right, baby. Uh, for John, this has been Austin. Um, hold on to your butts. <laughs> Here we go, baby. It's March. Uh, hope we will talk to you guys next week, hopefully in, in a chipper mood. But uh, cue the crime mob. We out. Yeah. Look, J on the track.
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.